Hello, and welcome back again to this special edition episode of Upside Down Shark Radio, where we will count down our top 10 horror movies of all time, given that that is the season. Uh, I am Tom, I am joined by Paul today, hey guys. Uh, just the two of us, so we'll be taking essentially one each at a time and breaking down this list, so let's jump right into it with Paul, with number 10. Uh, just bear in mind that this list is in no particular order, except for the last one, because it's definitely the best film. <laughs> That is true, that is true. So, here we go, number 10. First on the list, we're gonna talk a a little bit about uh, Alien, the original um, James Cameron movie from 1980. James Cameron, did you say? My apologies. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. My apologies. (laughs) I mean, Aliens is a great film. Aliens is James Cameron. But Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. It's because we were talking about Covenant and everything earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously Alien, if you haven't seen it, is about an alien infestation. Uh, by infestation, I mean a singular alien. That's all you need, though. That's all yeah. you need. It, it is a singular alien that has been bred and engineered to kill. On a mining vessel, isn't it? On, so none of them are none of them are soldiers. None of them have any real weaponry at yeah. all. No, no, absolutely not. Um, it was obviously there's there's an iconic scene, the John Hurt scene. Oh yes! If where, you don't know it, just where, watch it. Where the rest of the cast didn't even know what was going to happen, just the director and John Hurt. So the reaction on all of their faces is genuine. They thought he was in pain and was about to choke to death. And uh, it was actually real blood that they used. So. Uh, I won't say what happens, but what is sprayed on the cast is real blood, so we, that just makes it even more horrific yeah. and delicious. And like Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley, arguably the strongest female character. It's it's one and two her and Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Definitely, and I don't know what that says, but those are two of the best films ever made, in my opinion, Alien and Terminator 2. You can't get much better than those two. They are the shining beacons of 80s nostalgia for me, even though I was born in the 90s. So if you haven't seen it, go and watch Alien. Okay, so number nine, we have The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick version. Uh, Arguably his best film, definitely the best Stephen King adaptation, I would say, so far. Uh, But the film that he detests the most, allegedly. Uh, Oh, really? uh, Yeah, he really doesn't like it. Um, it chronicles the slow descent into ma- well, I say slow the descent into madness of Jack Nicholson's character, who's also called Jack. Can't remember his surname. Um, as the him and his young family uh, are caretaking a gigantic hotel, uh, so he can have some isolation to do some writing, and they can just have a break, and they get paid to do it. But the isolation slowly gets to him, and he ends up going a bit choppy choppy on them. Uh, that's, that's a bit of an understatement. Well, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Obviously, it's coupled with hallucinations and and various other scenes. Obviously, yeah. you've seen there, there have been multiple parodies of it over the years. Not there have. Uh, you've got the Simpsons, the Shinning. <laughs> you wanna get sued? You've got the episode of South Park where Randy buys Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten about that one. Oh, yeah, it is. But that's the thing. It's so so much in the zeitgeist now that it is just part of horror history. I Yeah, the table that we are recording on uh, has coasters decorated like the carpet from the corridors of the Overlook Hotel. 
there is even a certain holiday company uh, called Holiday Extras based down here in the southeast, and they used uh, a hotel review of the uh, Overlook Hotel as their Halloween video, which I highly recommend on Facebook and YouTube. You should definitely check that out. I look forward to giving that a watch. Okay, and yeah, that is our first uh, delving into the world of Stephen King, but we're going to run on straight to number eight with Paul. Uh, number eight, I've but in uh, Event Horizon. It's um, I don't know whether it's a relatively well-known film or a little-known film, but it's one that has stuck with me since like I saw it at an age I shouldn't have seen it, <laughs> <laughs> and and it just stuck with me. It was just a, a like I genuinely enjoyed it. Always have. Um, obviously, you got um, it's about a a starship. That they develop a new, um, a new transportation drive, like they, which they believe to be uh, like an FTL drive, faster mm-hmm. than light drive. Uh, but it turns out it opens a portal through what is essentially a hell dimension. Well, you don't want that. And everybody that's been through it has was driven almost instantaneously insane. And like it's got Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill in it, and just. The performances are phenomenal because it's one of the, it's one of those ones where you look at the poster and it doesn't instantly sh- scream out horror to you. It yeah. looks more like just a hammy it, sci-fi. It looks like a hammy sci-fi film, but it's not. It's it's a genuinely unsettling. And I hear that there was one scene which was cut, which apparently you can only find rough uh, footage of, which is of more of the hell dimension and the people like tearing themselves apart and everything, which yeah. is super graphic. Yeah, there is there are some really graphic scenes in there. Um, Obviously, there's 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 a scene with Sam Neill where uh, well, he cuts his own eyeballs out. Oof. No, uh, not but, Alan Grant, but acts like nothing happened. Like it's a genuinely unsettling film. If you like horror and you like sci-fi, it's definitely worth a watch of Event Horizon if you haven't seen it already. Just as a side note, not as part of the list, but maybe as an honourable mention. Jurassic Park has got some great horror elements in it. The first one, yeah. It... Jurassic Park is definitely a suspense thriller. Yeah. I mean, those those raptors when um, clever girl. Yeah, they're being hunted by raptors. It's just so tense and so terrifying. And uh, even when they're um, they're in the kitchen, that's the scene I'm thinking of. Um, it's it could be it could be Michael Myers. Yeah, uh, chasing yeah, them quite easily. Like I I would definitely obviously Jurassic Park is one of the greatest movies of all time. Like of course, it, like it's one of those films. It doesn't matter when it's on. Like you watch it if it's on television and you're flicking through, doesn't matter how far into the film it is, you'll watch it. Damn straight, damn straight. Uh, I mean, it's got an all-star cast. Uh, Sam Neill again, but uh, special mention has to go to the excellent pairing of Samuel L. Jackson and Wayne Knight as two just IT workers. Ah 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 ah. We have certainly got Dodson over here, but that is a tangent. For another day, I'm sure there'll be plenty of Jurassic Park talk in the future. But so we'll move on now to what is arguably the most harrowing oh, film Jesus Christ. on the list. Um, Tom, do you want to talk a little bit about Fire in the Sky? Well, not really, but I feel like we have to. Uh, Fire in the Sky is quite a low-budget film. It went really under the radar, but uh, it chronicles the Travis Walton abduction case uh, where I believe it was in the, either the 40s or the 50s, a l- logger, a lumberjack, got abducted uh, by aliens um, coming home, uh, only to return a few weeks later 
um, and have his experience come back slowly throughout the next few days. And by God, if you have any sort of inclination of alien abduction or any fears about the idea that aliens have visited or that they might be out there and have nefarious means, do not watch this film because it will just trigger the shit out of you. Yeah, there there are scenes, there are like graphic scenes of his abduction which you very rarely get to see oh, in, yeah. in movies. They tend to glaze over it as a um, like they they blur the background and mm. and you hear a couple of noises. It's similar to, in a way, there's an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Is this the one where, where... Rack is trying to remember what happened? Yes, yes, I know this one. It's imagine that turned up to eleven. Mm. It's that. That's a good analogy, actually. Uh, and it's it's even worse when you know that this story hasn't been completely discredited. Um, there is the most um, irrefutable evidence, or I say irrefutable, it's the hardest one uh, evidence to dispute of an alien abduction um, because they've taken all the polygraph tests, uh, there's been physical evidence on Travis Walton's body of the things that he claims, and obviously this isn't uh, hard evidence, but at the same time it does instill that nugget of doubt in your head that the, what you're seeing isn't just fantasy and uh, this might have just happened all, all it takes is it, it could be <laughs> and yeah and then you go out at night in, after seeing this film and you see a plane or underlit a bird <laughs> yeah an underlit bird and it's just the most terrifying existence I can think of um, again going off on a slight tangent uh, aliens have always scared me to the point where the episode of The Simpsons, The Simpsons Files, where Mr. Burns is mistaken as an alien from The X-Files. I bring you love. I could not watch that until I was older than I'd care to admit, because it was too scary. All the Treehouse of Horrors were absolutely fine. In fact, we should probably do a Treehouse of Horror top 10 list at some point as well, because there's some doozies in there. But yeah, by God, that is the scariest, scariest stuff. And I think that's where... Uh, a lifelong fear of extraterrestrials have come from and fire in the sky has only exacerbated that so i think that's enough talk on fire in the sky because i want to try and forget that film exists yeah i definitely want to forget it before i translate tonight oh yeah so with that note let's go on to something a little bit more light-hearted uh it, this this one is genuinely one of my favorite films it's what i consider to be the most original comedy movie i've of the last probably 10 15 years that I've mm-hmm. that I know of. Uh, it's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, it's Alan Tudyk and I believe uh, Taylor Labine. Yes, I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, basically, they it's it's an alternate take on the hillbilly slasher movies. Uh, you know the movies where kids go camping yeah. in the woods and they get picked off one by one by hillbillies who are just out to kill for no reason other than. The- cliche schlocky being inbred yeah hills have eyes it's that kind of thing only from the perspective of the rednecks <laughs> um they are they've gone up to their cabin in the woods which is their holiday home that they saved up <laughs> for to buy uh, and they're they're doing renovations and there is a a series of misunderstandings <laughs> between them and a group of teenagers who are coming out to camp there and the teenagers end up being the absolute worst people in in the world yeah it's 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 an alternate take on on that and it is 
it's genuinely funny. Like, um, I mean, obviously, I love Alan Tudyk. Of course. Um, in basically everything, he's hands down the best character in the Transformers movie. <laughs> I didn't even know he was in the Transformers. Yep. Movie. He's got a couple of lines in it, and I highly wanted, like, I genuinely wanted a spin-off movie just about him. Yeah, uh, that would be better than whatever they're doing at the moment. Although uh, John Cena and Bumblebee might just uh, swing me back around. I, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah, he's—I mean—he's even in Rogue One as K2SO, and again, yep. probably the best he, character in the he's, film. He's Disney's go-to voice guy at the moment. Uh, he had—he had a series uh, that got cancelled. Basically, what it, Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> he had another series that got cancelled called Powerless. Uh, it was set in the DC universe. Uh, and it was about um, just some regular people that work in an office. Um, uh, they work for like under Wayne Tech, so they're, okay. they're like R and D, research and development for products. Lucius for Wayne Fox Tech. is deficient. Only lower down. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Alan Tudyk plays Bruce Wayne's cousin. <laughs> Brilliant. And it got cancelled. Like it was it, Alan Tudyk, Danny Pudi from um, Community. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there was a a beautiful, beautiful cameo from Adam West. Oh, God bless. R.I.P. R.I.P. But, but um, yeah, I think eight episodes into the ten episode series, it got cancelled. So they didn't even finish the first series, really. No, there was a couple of episodes that only recently got aired in New Zealand. And oh that's the only wow! I've seen them. That's yeah, that's some deep cuts right there. But yeah, like it's just one of those. But yeah, that's that's what makes Tucker and Dale so good is the Alan Tudyk and T- Tyler Labine. Tyler Labine. They just come across as the sweetest guys yeah. in cinema. They just seem like the most lovely people, but they just look like the most hard, rough rednecks going. And it just is such a good uh, take. It's so refreshing to see the, basically the trope flipped on its head. Um, and it's just so well done. It's so well done. Um, can't recommend it enough. Um, if you're a fan of Cabin in the Woods um, and want something in a similar vein of this trope-busting uh, comedic horror that still is good enough to be scary, then definitely give Tucker and Dale a shout. Absolutely, it's it's on Netflix, as I think some of as is Fire in the Sky. Yeah, uh, but I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> it's just too scary. No. Yeah, I highly recommend Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, and sticking with the theme of a cabin in the woods. Number five, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, may even have been the first cabin in the woods I thi- style. I think it invented it, or at least it brought it into the mainstream. The, the series did, at least. Yeah. Um, is Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Um, the story of Ash. Ash Campbell? Is Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Ash Campbell. I'm going <laughs> to rename him Ash Campbell. <laughs> Uh, the the story of um, Ash yes um, fighting against deadites yep which is the the forces of evil that inhabit living and or dead yeah. people I mean considering the first movie like it was a Sam Raimi movie um, obviously the man responsible for Tobey Maguire's Spider Man which I think is underrated. Kind of, but again, another another story for another day. Less about that now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Sam Raimi, um, Bruce Campbell um, were 
basically left in the woods with some other people and made this film on an incredibly low budget uh, and it got such a cult such a cult following that they ended up having being able to commission a second one with a higher budget which they used to essentially make the same film it is pretty much a remake isn't it number two is essentially a remake with a slightly different ending uh, and then the number uh, the third one which isn't even owned by Sam Raimi nope. uh, Army of Darkness um, <laughs> well that pushed the boat out in terms of campiness yeah it's don't get me wrong I love Evil Dead it did bring us the boomstick it did it did bring us there, there were some absolute classic lines yeah um but the it didn't stop there they um more recently about i think about 5 years ago they remade evil dead into yep. an actual genuinely unsettling horror it film. is i think it broke the record for the most fake blood ever used on a feature film and i'm not surprised i don't doubt that like <laughs> it literally rains blood from the sky it, in the it, final scene. It does. Um, uh, the 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 protagonist of that um, is no longer Bruce Campbell. It's not Ash. It's um, Mia. Yes. Um, Jane Levy. Uh, phenomenal performance. Like mm-hmm. genuinely unsettling. There were some some really nice um, Easter eggs in there for people, the fans of Evil Dead. But you don't have to have seen any of the evil deads to get any of it it is just a quite terrifying film it's it, it's good because if they tried to go down the same route of making it campy schlocky like the original tril- mm-hmm. trilogy was going i it would have been such a misstep um so by diverting away into straight po-faced horror I, they really made it their own yeah but on the topic of keeping up with the campiness and going down the route that this uh movie series was going Ash came back, didn't he, Paul? Ash did come back, and he still works at the um, buy and save or whatever the. Well, it was co- it was called Smart in the original movies, but because of the rights bollocks that was going around with uh, Army of Darkness, they had to call it something else. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but they had to change the name. But we he's are... still he's still a, a store clerk. Yeah, essentially. we are talking about the series Ash versus Evil Dead, which is one of my favourite series. Mine too. It's Mine it's, too. it's the one I genuinely look forward to watching each week and cannot wait for the next one. Uh, we're in bes- in between series is at the moment mm-hmm. um, but I am fully up to date I believe you've still got a few to watch yes I'm about halfway through series 2 um, so no spoilers please okay. but um, essentially yeah uh, Bruce Campbell has become Ash I really believe the character and the man have crossed lines to the point that I, they are the same entity now I have no problem with that <laughs> no uh, he fully plays up the ailments of age uh, he's a bit podgy around the sides uh, he's not got all his teeth anymore uh, but he still kicks ass. The the one-liners just free flow throughout. But it it does genuinely. One thing I will I will stress about this series, it genuinely walks the line between scary and funny. Definitely. It one second it will be terrifying. There's I don't think you've seen it yet. There is a demon shows up in one of the episodes and the just the camera effects they use on it makes it unsettling well it's just at the start of series 2 where those those demon child children that spew oh, out yeah, the black vomit those, stuff they're horrible those things are yeah are like genuinely unsettling and then conversely there is gen, like 
stupidly funny scenes. Like he, the one I don't know if you we would have seen the scene in the morgue yet. Which one is that? You'd know it if <laughs> if you had seen it. I probably there's, there's a scene been. with Ash in a morgue and a dead body. Oh no, I have seen that. I have seen that. Yeah, the intestine. Yeah, and the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, his dad is played by Lee Majors, who is. is the six million dollar man. Yep, and then you got uh, one of the other main characters played by Lucy Lawless, used to Zena. be Zena. Royal I almost princess. said Zena. <laughs> That's a completely different character from a completely different religion. But whether you like Evil Dead or not, you should probably give this series a try. It is genuinely scary. It is genuinely funny. Yeah, I would say it is more than a match for any of the original films in terms of entertainment. And I say that they are pushing the most fake blood used in any production ever. Yeah, I swear that's how half the budget's going. Um, Sa- it, Sam Raimi just loves his fake blood. Yeah, I mean, you. I don't think, aside from Spider-Man 3, he's made a particularly bad film. Like, Drag Me to Hell... He did Darkman, didn't he, as well? I believe so, yeah. yeah. they're all at least serviceable films. I would still argue that Spider-Man 2 is probably the best Spider-Man film, if not the best non-MCU uh, non Marvel film ever made. Ooh, that's that and Logan, it's up there. It's up possibly. there. Possibly. Alfred Molina as uh, Doc Ock is... I'd probably throw the first Blade in there. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. That's, that's actually... That film stands up pretty well. Not the third one with uh, not, Triple H. Not, not the third one. Triple H... <laughs> Oh dear! Despite featuring Ryan Reynolds, really young Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Anyway, uh, number four is the thing. More specifically, the nineteen eighties remake, because it is a remake starring Kurt Russell, which I would argue is the best minimalist horror going. Uh, it's basically uh, based around a small. Uh, research uh, facility out in the Antarctic um, of American scientists, all men um, where through a series of events, I won't spoil it a alien parasite enters the base, uh, infects a dog, uh, replaces the dog's being completely to the point where it looks identical to the dog and then proceeds to infect uh, the researchers one by one to the, where you don't know who's alien, you don't know who's human um, and yeah it's just the idea that you don't know who you're talking to uh, whether or not they're a friend or if they're a monster is just so tense because it could be it didn't need any special effects to be terrifying but you're also complimented with arguably the best physical special effects ever used in a horror film some of the creature effects used in the thing are absolutely horrifying you get spider skulls you get dogs with spindly spider tentacles and tendrils coming out it's it's just visceral it is just the most visceral horror film and you wouldn't get anything like it today because it's just too expensive to do uh cg so good now that you don't need to but man it is it is a treasure it's a treasure but what what about ray harryhausen and the claw I mean, there is a time and a place for Ray Harryhausen films. Uh, I am a big fan of Sinbad and Clash of the Titans, the original one. Fuck Sam Worthington. Uh, And yeah, I can appreciate that. But at the same time, you can tell when a skeleton man is just stop motion and you can tell when a skeleton man is just a costume. But the claw, Tom. (laughs) The claw. (laughs) If you want to put the claw on the list, man, then be my guest. But yeah, um, 
just for the legacy that it's had uh the soundtrack is ju just perfect it is just one synth for most of it and it just works so well for the tone of the film um there's a lots of dogs in it and i'm a big fan of dogs so that's always good um unless you're a fan of dogs in this film <laughs> well there is a lot of dog death but at the same time they're pretty cute and you know they're not actually dead but they probably are now this film was set a long time there, ago there's a lot of there's a lot of dog death in eight below and that's a disney film i haven't seen that is that one with cuba gooding jr in it or am i thinking of a different one no i think this is a paul walker film oh dear paul walker r.i.p huskies <laughs> That is, sounds like the most direct DVD Disney production ever. But yeah, uh, it's not much more to say about the thing. Uh, I would also recommend watching uh, the prequel sequel that came out afterwards, um, starring Mary uh, Kate... What was her name? Mary Elizabeth Winstead, that's it. Um, which, uh, amazingly, the last scene of that film is the first scene of the 80s original, in quotation marks, um, so you can essentially watch them as one long feature and it just meshes so well so I would recommend arguably doing a double bill of both of them I think it's a, wor a worthwhile that's investment good. of your time that's a good chat similar to Rogue One and Star Wars A New Hope New Hope yeah again a great great ending Rogue One is the worst it's weird uh, I, I left uh, the cinema for Force Awakens probably not as satisfied as for uh, Rogue One but it was a better film overall. But the last, the final third of Rogue One is just flawless Star Wars. Just flawless. Star Wars needed more Donnie Yen. It needed more Donnie Yen and it needed more Vader uh, corridor scene. That, yeah. That is the most horror Star Wars has ever got. Yeah. That is it's a horror movie. That is a horror movie scene of just Vader just decimating people and being completely unstoppable. Short, short of the, towards the end of episode three, the, um, the infamous... Order 66 stuff? No, I was thinking more of the uh, higher ground. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I make another quick beeline? God, there's a lot of tangents in this. Obi-Wan claims to have beaten Anakin by saying, it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. There are two examples in the prequel trilogy where Obi-Wan defeats his nemesis from the low ground. He defeats Darth Maul, grabbing onto the edge of a massive pit manages to launch himself up and defeat Darth Maul he also manages to defeat General Grievous holding onto another ledge with a blaster in his hand I don't know if he, this was poor writing I don't know if this is Obi-Wan just psyching out Anakin and uh, convincing him that he's won even though he's like oh maybe not I think, I, he, I think he was just like politely saying to Anakin bitch please it's me <laughs> you're gonna lose I don't know man it's it's troubled me. Obi-Wan Obi is undefeated. He is OP, and I really hope they bring uh, back Ewan McGregor to do a standalone Obi-Wan movie at some point. That would he, be wonderful. He is he, the right age to bridge I, the gap I, now. I believe he lent his voice to a voiceover flashback. He did. For episode seven. Yes, he uh, imitated Alec Guinness's um, interna uh, intonations for it and did a really, really good job, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I, somebody had to point it out to me that it was Ewan McGregor. Yeah, because he says Ray, and obviously Ray is a new character. Um, and yeah, it's just he is he is probably more Obi Wan than Alec Guinness. So at this point, I would I would tend to agree. He is him him and uh, Liam Neeson is quite gone. I mean, I don't know why the Phantom Menace gets the hard stick that it does because that is a 
Brilliant pairing. Brilliant pairing. Yeah, it, it gave us Darth Maul and Jewel of Fates. And Pod Racing. And this is Pod Racing. No, it's not. This is number three, which is me again, and Saw. Uh, more specifically, the first one in the series, uh, because we won't talk about some of the hit and miss uh, sequels. I give them a pass because I like the first one so much. But Saw is basically the story of a investigation to catch a killer who doesn't actually kill his victims he just puts them in situations where they have to fight for survival in so such hard and grotesque ways that most of them don't succeed uh, all with the intention the motivation of making them appreciate life more than they do so he will target smokers he'll target people who have self-harmed people who he doesn't believe have uh, uh, given life the appreciation uh, as the gift that he believes it is uh, and so it's all essentially filmed within a bathroom where two uh, unknowing victims are chained up by the ankle um, and it just basically chronicles their way of trying to get out while uh, a detective played by Danny Glover uh, tries to stop uh, Jigsaw, as the killer is called, from uh, perpetrating his crimes. Mm. I, I believe one of the one of the um, the manacled men is uh, a. Uh, Carrie El- Elwes. Uh, I always uh, struggle with surname. El- I think it's Elwes from uh, Princess Bride. Yes. Yes. And Robin Hood Men in Tights. Indeed, indeed. Um, and he is very good in this. He's very good. Um, he does ha- make another appearance later in the series. Again, no spoilers, because that is in number seven, so you have to be in the long haul to get the reference. But the thing about Saw is, is that it's one of these ones that everyone watches at Halloween, because I believe every single film, bar maybe the first one, came out at Halloween weekend. Yeah. Um, it's not actually that much of a horror film it's more of a crime detective yeah, thriller the, the first one was more of it sort of changed the game it set mm. the tone for a new a new style of gory horror movie yeah. um, where, which previously would, wasn't really seen except possibly in Final Destination but that was a, a whole different sort yeah. of series of unfortunate events well it, it, it was more the first one was more of a uh, almost a crime f- film with horror elements uh, and it would later go on to just become pretty much straight horror to the point where it almost became uh, an excuse for the prop guys to show off what they could do with a loose premise uh, essentially allowing it go, to go from set piece to set piece which I'm fine with because uh, on it uh, obviously if they're really good at making these set pieces and they can do it in a creative way then I can appreciate their art doesn't necessarily make a great movie but the first one is a really really great movie as well Um, I think it's indicative that James Wan has had a very successful uh, directorial career coming out of Saw because um, of the legacy it's had he's gone on to was it Fast and Furious 8 that he went on to direct Uh, it was either Fast 7 or Fast 8 it was one of the Fast fast films Uh, Um, which was highly acclaimed as well it also spawned the influences of things like um, other movies like Hostel mm-hmm. The Collector um, and various other slasher movies like that yep um, and there are very few that changed the game in the like in the 2000s yeah I like mean that, that late into movies it, uh, it kind of it's hard to explain because it, it didn't rely on jump scares but at the same time it brought about this whole uh, shock, almost torture porn, jump scare generation, which I think we're only just getting out of with the likes of uh, it's um, the Babadook and uh, Stranger Things, kind of. 
um, the idea that these are things that you don't really have to rely on jump scares it's more the atmosphere and the tension I think that's the new generation we're going into but from sort of 2004 through to pretty much 20, 2015, 2016 Saw set the tone of what horror films would be for a decade um, yeah. and uh, I don't think it was ever matched from the first one I think uh, you don't forget your first and the first was the best yeah I, I tend to agree um, and mentioning it uh, we'll roll on straight to number two, uh, which is the 2017 iteration of It, um, the remake of the uh, 1980s uh, miniseries based on the Stephen King novel, uh, chronicles the uh, small group of children who are stalked and uh, harassed by a alien clown called Pennywise, who feeds, kind of feeds on their fear. He claims in the book that it basically is the garnish for eating them is that it makes their uh, children more delicious to yeah. eat them to make them scared like first a marinade. a marinade of fear which sounds like a really great metal uh, band name um the new one is uh superior to the original miniseries i would suggest uh it's got a pretty no-name cast if i don't if i'm not mistaken i don't think there's any relatively there's no real relatively unknown. um big names there's no a-listers as far as i can think off the top of my head but my god i don't know where they keep finding all these child actors from but they're all stellar but when you see all the awful child actors that have been in horror films in recent years they're all absolute pros at it um it's also doesn't shy away from some pretty nasty uh, imagery noticeably the first death is of a, I would imagine like a five or six year old boy he has his arm quite brutally bitten off by Pennywise the yeah. mutant yeah. alien clown uh, and yeah it's quite upsetting um, I I personally thought it worked better as a horror coming of age film I know some people who were so scared by it they couldn't finish it and had to walk out really? but yeah it was that, that, that scary but I would say if you combined Killer Clowns from Out Space with Stand By Me, you're on to what it is. And I don't say that with any sort of derision or any type of mockery. Those are two really great films of their time. And I think bringing them into the, well, obviously it's set in the 80s, but bringing them into modern cinema, it works really, really well. Um, I'm really looking forward to part two. I think it worked well again to break it into two parts. Um, obviously the original book uh, is broken into two halves where the cast are children and then later when they come back to this town as adults uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing who they bring in to play him as adults it'll also be yeah it'll be interesting to see whether they uh, stick to um, a relatively unknown cast and mm. try and get some up and coming actors to, I'd play, hope so. to play the kids as adults or whether they're just going to plaster A-list all over it uh, just like for, for the for the A-listers that want want to be in it more than for a, a budget if they stick to a small budget mm. you can still get good actors like A-list actors to cameo and stuff it's whether they'll play those six or seven kids that, that's the thing um, and well I, I don't have any faith in uh, multi-cast and A-listers again after what they tried with the uh, was it the Dark Universe the uh, Universal monster movie universe they tried to start up again with The Mummy with Tom Cruise and I've yet to see that I've yet to see it but apparently it's garbage and uh, was it Russell Crowe who's going to play the Invisible Man or Dr. Jekyll and uh, Mr. Hyde okay. I think it was the latter to be honest um, and it just it just doesn't work 
there's egos getting in the way for screen time uh they sometimes they just don't gel i would rather have a great cast of unknowns that get on really well and have great chemistry than five familiar faces that just are mm. dead as anything well I, I i half expect to see tom hiddleston turn up in it because that's the kind of thing he would do as a project he does outside of doing movies where he plays loki <laughs> <laughs> what else can you think that he's been in generally he does That's more true. obscure roles he's in the night manager with hugh laurie the series true um he's in warhorse like he's he comes from stage he's he's a classically trained actor works with the likes he's of kenneth, kenneth branner like he if anything i think he would play a grown-up version of one of those well let's let's briefly try and power rank who would you want as uh to play the cast if we had unlimited budget um uh the uh, the hypochondriac kid i think could play be played really well by uh oh this is harder than i thought Uh, put yourself on the spot there i have put myself on the spot who could play him who could play him as much as it pains me to say it i think the guy who plays uh light tucker in the death note film can't remember the actor's name. I think he could play that because he's kind of like that kind of obnoxious, whiny thing. I think if they were going to keep it sort of relatively tween, then they, he could be doing that. But it depends if they'd want to make it full-blown adult. I don't know. It, yeah, it also depends when they set, set That's it. That's it. Cause like, I, if they're going to go... If, if they're going to set it... 15 years later or whether they're going to set it 30 years later that's the thing because in the original film it, they are middle aged people but I don't know how that would translate I think it might be more marketable for them to stay as 20 somethings yeah um, although I, I would I would enjoy seeing Seth Green come back as one of the adults bearing in mind he was one of the kids in the original that would be really cool <laughs> at, least a, at least a cameo problem is me none of them are ginger yeah, and he's not a pretty adult either. Um, I don't know. Maybe you should just do the hammiest actors imaginable. Maybe if we're going to go down that route, I would definitely have Stephen Seagal play the uh, <laughs> uh, the ladies' man, the Finn Wolfhard character. Uh, Linda Hamilton play the the girl. Can't remember any of their names to be honest. Um, Woody Allen play the hypochondriac. Oh, oh geez. <laughs> Keep him away from uh, Linda Hamilton. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays the black kid. Uh, and I can't remember anyone else. Jack Black plays the fat kid. Uh, I'll tell you who I would probably cast, like, in all, all reality, cast or try to cast as the, the girl. Um, uh, as previously mentioned, Jane Levy. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. And she's re- still relatively unknown. Yeah. Like I reckon she'd she'd do that really well. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, another honourable mention for a, a genuinely unsettling film. Um, don't breathe. I haven't seen that yet, but that looked good. That is a fantastic film. Again, there's no there's no paranormal elements there's to that. Is there absolutely is... no paranormal in it whatsoever? It's very little, even violence. It's just a really suspenseful film. It's it's not not particularly violent it's not particularly gory it's not um it's not paranormal in any way it is just an unsettling 
very very tense film from start to end interesting yeah um because it's uh, the guy from avatar that look really looks like cable is uh, the main antagonist S- steve lang Stephen lang that's it yeah um yeah i heard good press about it but it's one that has slipped under my radar yeah i like honorable mention in the the halloween playlist definitely give don't breathe the watch we will put this list in the description as well uh so even if you don't want to watch this entire video uh you can see what our list is but if you've stayed this long you might as well stay for number one as well what is number one paul what else could number one be uh let's have a think what could number one be what could number one be could it be serbian film could it be despite that being a genuinely terrifying concept human centipede 2 again genuinely unsettling but still no are you saying it's what i think it is it's definitely what you think it is are you saying that there is no movie only zool there is no movie only zool that's right what are we talking about paul the number one Halloween film, in my opinion, of all time, has to be Ghostbusters. Busting makes me feel good! Yes. I, not only is it one of my favourite films of all time, because the, the cast is fantastic, the writing's fantastic, everything about the film is fantastic, except the modern version. I haven't <laughs> seen that yet, nor do I really want to. Um, anyway, if, if you want a third Ghostbusters film, play the game. I was about to say, they say that was what finished off the trilogy perfectly. It um, was a really good game as well. I again, I have yet to play it, uh, but yeah, you just can't go wrong with Ghostbusters. Uh, it straddles the line between comedy and some really quite unsettling moments. Even just from the offset, the uh, ghost in the library um, yeah. is quite scary, especially if you're a kid, because this is again a film that's marketed predominantly to children. Um, that can that can scare you. That can scare you. And uh, anything with Rick Moranis in it is instantly yeah, you, the the cast is phenomenal. You got Rick Moranis, Sigourney Weaver, um, Bill Murray, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, Slimer, <laughs> Devil Dogs, Dan. and a twenty foot Stave Puff Marshmallow Man as a terrifying with concept. The, the the cutest, most terrifying. <laughs> And it's just iconic. It's it's just it set the bar for uh, comedy horror, and I don't think it's ever been matched. No, I don't think it ever has, and I don't think it ever will be. I mean, not only that, the 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 um, the chemistry between the cast yeah. themselves. Um, obviously, half of the lines in the film are improvised. <laughs> I did not know that. Like, quite there are genuinely loads of them. Like, it's um, um, this man hosts no dick line. Is that improvised? That is an improvised line, as far as I'm aware. I am so happy. I um, am so happy that that's true. And just just the writing on it was phenomenal. Um, even some of the more subtle jokes, um, like in the library, uh, Dan Aykroyd um, says, "Shh, listen. Can you smell that?" <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, it's it's just it's just timeless. It hasn't aged today. Um, it's still as good now as it ever was. Even the special effects look pretty damn good uh, yeah. today because there isn't that much in terms of it. It is again, as you say, is the human element of it which really makes it stand out from its uh, peers. Um, 
The sequel still pretty good. It gets a bit lambasted, but I, yeah, I I I have never ever had an issue with Ghostbusters two. I don't. I I take exception to people that do. I have literally no problems with Ghostbusters two. I'm almost gonna go as far as to say it's as good as the first Ooh. one. Oh, almost hotly controversial. Almost, um, and uh, it has arguably the best horror theme music of any film of the genre. It, Ghostbusters it, by uh, Ray Parker Jr. Ray Parker Jr. I mean, it's if a you're, I, if you lovingly have it on vinyl in two separate instances. <laughs> that is glorious, and I'm very jealous of that. But any song from your score that gets into the mainstream charts, you know, is probably onto a winner. Yeah, short of being Will Smith, that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and God bless him, Will Smith's a little bit washed out now. No, Ghostbusters. Oh, there's a new series, Bright, coming to Netflix. Oh, yeah. Which is an LA cop show that features orcs, fairies, and magic. Okay. And this is starring Will Smith? Starring Will Smith as one of the main characters. Interesting. He's he's just a he's just a regular guy, an LA cop, but it's in a world where magic and um, creatures like mythical creatures like that exist. Um, and for all intents and purposes, it's it's an allegory where orcs are represented as black people. Ah. Um, only Will, so Will Smith's an LA cop, and his partner is an orc, and they're not accepted in society. I see. Um, so he's been partnered with the orc. Mm. And like it's the orc trying to prove himself that he's just as good as any person. <laughs> Interesting. And it genuinely looks like it's going to be fantastic because it's Will Smith. I'm definitely going to have to watch that. And ju- just to uh, segue into our Christmas content, which will be coming in the next few months after this, have you seen the trailer or are you aware of the series coming up called Happy? Happy. I... I think I have, yes. Yes, I have. It's the little unicorn, isn't it? It is the little unicorn. It is the most hardened, grizzled street rat man who I believe he has some sort of... um, It's either through addiction or through some injury. He starts seeing his child's... It's a strange child's imaginary animal friend called Happy, who is a little purple unicorn, appear all over the place. And so he is this absolute scumbag dirtbag alcoholic druggie who is now followed by his uh child's it's a strange child's imaginary friend who convinces him that he has to change his ways and save christmas for his uh his little girl and it was based on a comic book series i can't remember the author's name but it is fantastic the series would highly recommend it and i'd highly recommend you watch the trailer um again i'll leave a link to the uh, trailer in the description but um, yeah, if you want something that's not exactly PG, but in the theme of Christmas, definitely check it out. Um, think, uh, I don't know, think Punisher crossed with Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton. So the, the Deadpool Christmas special. Pretty much, but you feel even dirtier watching it. <laughs> I, felt, I distinctly remember feeling really dirty watching it, so, uh, reading it. So the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> hey man. That makes you feel sick. That doesn't make you feel dirty. And I still think it's got its merits. <laughs> Isn't Chewbacca's dad called Lumpy or something? <laughs> I, I tried to block it from memory. There's definitely a Wookiee called Lumpy. <laughs> I, tr- I, I I can't. I can't even... <laughs> hey, man. The uh, Boba Fett cartoon is pretty good. But the rest of it you can pretty much get rid of. Uh, the Ewoks movies are okay. Uh, Caravan of Courage. Uh... Any movie where you get to see a baby Ewok die... <laughs> 
you are the worst. You are the worst <laughs> kind of person. And on that pleasant note, that is our top 10 horror movies for 2017. We hope you've enjoyed it and it's given you a bit of inspiration to check out some of these titles yourself. Uh, on that note, I've been Tom. I'm still Paul. Oh, yeah, you are. And we have been Upside Down Shark Radio. Keep it spooky. house rain squally